This is Big Talk. Michael Glab here, my guest this week in the studio. Niall Arena. He's an independent candidate for mayor of the city of Bloomington. Niall, thanks for being on Big Talk. Thanks so much for having me. Niall, one of my favorite aphorisms is, all politics is theater. Now, you're a fellow, I think, who's going to try to turn that into some kind of reality here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think the last thing we need is probably more uh, 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 bad theatrics in, in, in politics. What I'm interested in, you know, even more, the word I've been using is civics. Um, you know, my interests kind of don't really lie in elevation of myself as a political figure in the sense of, you know, division or, or, or kind of, you know, party line ideas or anything like that. But I am really excited about civics. And I think that, you know, these things that have sort of been lost, and I don't know exactly when, but they've sort of been lost from the public discussion of, of, of civics, uh, you know, kind of uh, that idea of your obligation as a citizen, your kind of duty to your, your fellow citizens, but, uh, you know, even on the micro level, but also the idea of uh, maybe uh, integrity in, in what you're doing and not just as an elevation um, of yourself as a, a brand. I don't think I'm betraying any secrets here when I say you were in high school a lot more recently than I was, okay? <laughs> yes. Did they teach civics in high school when you were in high school? Alas, they did not. I, I think the, the place where it's reappeared most recently, besides uh, the, the freshmen in the House of Representatives, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and, and the other, uh, you know, uh, uh, congressional freshmen, um, but it is in a documentary about Fred Rogers that came out last summer called Won't You Be My Neighbor? So, so to me, it was completely familiar, but introducing this new generation who had no idea who Fred Rogers was, um, or, or maybe, you know, did in these kind of distant, still like yeah. cultural references, but not kind of his impact on, on not just children's television, but public television in general. He uh, talks about at the beginning, it's, it, it's a home movie, so it's not part of the PBS broadcast, but he talks about how can we make goodness as appealing as what they're selling on Madison Avenue? How can we make integrity something that everyone wants to be a part of? And that really spoke to me. I, I think that a lot of people after 2016's election, not, not just the presidential election, but the fact that we had uh, one party ruling all three uh, branches of government, really were, were, were thrown for a loop and, and did, I think, a lot of soul searching. And I, I think that because of the Internet, some, some things kind of sped through. But the thing, the kind of piece of it that I've enjoyed the most is I've kind of wrestled with who we are and where we are and, and who I am as I interact with kind of a America that is trending towards things that I find very disturbing and alarming on, on just about every level. How do we do more than just issue a complaint? How do we do more? And, and so seeing this documentary about Fred Rogers... It was, again, kind of knocking around in my head. Yes, let's try to do something maybe that's that's not just good for oneself or one's betterment, but how can we make the stuff around us be uh, a reflection of what we like the most and what we want to see more of? I've never been good at telling people what to do. I've never been a good uh, a, a boss in terms of, of barking orders. When I was a camp counselor, even, I couldn't really you know yell at the kids into doing what I wanted. I've only been ever good at leading by uh, example uh -huh. and not the illusion that I have the best example, but that uh, if I'm, <laughs> if I can be some sort of, of you know, uh, guidepost to how maybe you don't have to do something a certain way, or you could try it uh, uh, another way, uh, then then I feel like 
that maybe there's something that I can I can do. As the mayor, you're going to be the head of an organization that has a great number of departments. The department heads report to you. You're going to be a boss. Yes, <laughs> it's true. But what I'm interested in more of and what I think a lot of folks my age, so I'm, I'm 30 years old, I was born in 1988, and I came out of college during the Great Recession uh-huh. um, and was working in college during the Great Recession and finding it, it very hard just to get by. But uh, it was a g- genuine challenge. And I think what that did was make me very adept at uh, uh, collaboration and teamwork, um, it, just as a necessity. And so I think that what I see, you know, government, but even local government as probably especially local government, um, as is a collaboration and an opportunity to kind of collaborate and work with people, maybe in a way that, that is uh, different than what we've seen before, and maybe in a way where everyone feels like uh, they, they have a role and they have a voice. I think that everyone wants to do well. I think that everyone actually wants to work if they feel like they're doing a good job, but also that they're having a chance to contribute. And I, I think that a lot of folks my age, one of the reasons why we're kind of at this odd impasse, even as we're reaching the, the prime of life, where the folks who were going to be kind of guiding the economy, starting families, buying houses, you know, these sort of things that look to folks who are 30 to, to early 40s, that's the, the kind of time we haven't really had our chance because we've been told for so long this sort of austerity panic narrative, which is any job is a good job. Yeah. And now, you know, nine years after that, or 11 years, my goodness, after the at least the um, financial crash of 2008, that's just not true, I can say. Not every job is a good job, certainly not in a, an economy, not just a, a local economy, but in a national economy, and even looking at the West at large, one that is prizing the, the gig economy over things like pensions and, and job security. And so I think what I'm finding is is not unique to people my age, but it's funny that we sort of need to uh, insist upon what is uh, necessary, not just because we like avocado toast <laughs> and and not paying for our media and, and this sort of myth of, of entitlement that I think gets bandied around often by folks a couple generations ahead of us. Uh-huh. But the idea that we have to insist because no one else is going to give us the room we need to 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 breathe and and, and to thrive unless we do. Niall, you're a well-spoken man, obviously. <laughs> you know the issues, you know the culture. That's clear. But you have no political background or experience. That's true. And now you want to be the mayor of the city of Bloomington. I do. I, I've been interested in it uh, since last fall. And I'll, I'll tell you, the issue that kind of disturbed me the most was these uh, electronic scooters. I, I, I wrote to City Hall. I, I wrote to the mayor's office with my concerns, uh, mainly how they were destroying the B-Line and all the beauty, I feel ah. like, that the Rails to Trail uh, B-Line has, especially for pedestrians like myself, but also for friends of mine who are cyclists. And the, the letter I got back, I don't think necessarily intentionally, but was smacked of condescension. And I thought that, well, if, if even this part of Bloomington that is this new initiative that has a lot of, I feel like, uh, uh, pomp and circumstance behind it, right? That we're a bikeable, alternative transportation yeah. city. Even if this gets sort of lies affair green lights the way that some of the development in town has, well, this is just not working. And so that maybe someone who's, who's outside of politics, who's, who's not part of the, the Monroe County Democrats or, or, or Republicans or Libertarians, but that I just want to uh, uh, explore how would a city hall that was just for Bloomingtonians work? How would that look? And I, I think that 
even something as simple as trying to regulate scooters that have been banned from other midnight mid-sized cities like Austin, like Miami. If we can't even get that under control, I, I don't see how necessarily we're functioning near as well as we could. Now, you had considered running in the Democratic primary. Yes. You decided not to. Why not? I uh, was interested in, um, initially, when uh, it was unclear whether um, the current administration was going to get a primary challenger or or if uh, um, a uh, candidate from another party was even going to run. And so far, there hasn't been uh, one. So I thought, well, especially after being inspired and reading about um, uh, some of the political movements coming out of the... uh, post-1968 Democratic Convention uh, that were on the local level. Hunter S. Thompson is sort of now known as this kind of maligned, drug-fueled fiend, but he actually had a very moral and very politically motivated 10 years. Uh, There's a great new book called Freak Kingdom that that details that. I was very inspired by that, that, uh, you know, he ran for sheriff uh, in Aspen, Colorado. But what's unknown is that he uh, uh, lost by only about 500 votes after Uh some very nefarious skullduggery on on the part of the current uh, uh, mayor, but also that he got um, Joe Edwards elected to mayor on the freak power ticket and several city council members, and they curbed uh, overdevelopment of Aspen. And this was a quote from Joe Edwards' campaign for mayor, which 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 won, that Hunter S. Thompson was the campaign manager for. Uh, if we're not careful, Aspen is soon going to become a place for a second vacation rather than a way of life. And I yeah. think that if you changed Aspen to Bloomington, you could use that exact phrase today in 2019. You got into the fray as an independent after one of the Democratic primary candidates dropped out. Well, yeah, that's uh, uh, it's it's sort of uh, true. It's, actually, I, I should amend that. I think that a lot of the media attention I got from the Herald Times and the uh, IDS uh, and then um, uh, WTIU w- was in that sort of week when there was all the news kind of coming ah. out uh, and, and um, uh, Amanda Barch had suspended her campaign. But I was interested in this before I'd gotten the papers from Election Central, uh-huh. which are petition forms. I was informed of how many signatures I would need to get on the ballot in November. And this was always in the interest of, of running in, in November rather Rather than the primary. So I think uh-huh. that some attention had kind of come then. But um, this was always the thought that, you know, even uh, when, when Barge was still running, whether um, uh, whoever had won the primary, it would still be sort of this moot point. Also, uh, at least according to the uh, Hoosier Times, the online, you know, Herald Times uh, article that I read from 2015, voter turnout was dismally low in, in 2015 uh, uh, in the uh, city uh, elections. It was something uh, around 7%, I think, of registered yeah. uh, but But again, voters. that was an example of only a Democrat running for mayor that year. Right. But so their interest really was, you know, I, as I've said to other folks who've asked, you know, wh- why on earth would you <laughs> toss your hat into this race with with no, you know, support from, from local political parties, with, with none of this? Why would you, you go for it? And I thought, well, I, I don't see it doing any any harm. I think that civics and civic engagement, even if we get... 50% of Bloomington registered voters out to vote against me in November. Terrific. That that that's more civic engagement than we had 4 years ago. And I see that as a triumph. I I've no again, like I said, no interest in being a a, a demagogue or or, or a, a muckraker or, or or to to sling mud or, or or you know have any kind of nasty campaign. This isn't trying to be my uh face in the crowd <laughs> moment. Uh this is really in the interest of of kind of promoting civics especially at the 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 local level, but also to show sort of 
<laughs> the example I, I gave to the IDS, you know, was sort of to be the lynda.com of campaigns or, or the uh, YouTube how-to video so that if other people think that, well, gosh, this guy shouldn't be, be running. It doesn't seem like he has the political acumen. Also, I'm, you know, smarter and more engaged. I, I should run. I say you absolutely should, and, and I'll help you in any way I can. I think we should have as many uh, candidates, especially people motivated by being Bloomington citizens who want to take it to the next level as, as possible. Listeners, this is a first on Big Talk and probably every other show ever <laughs> in the history of electronic media. The candidate has said, I don't care if a lot of people come out and vote against me. And the candidate has said, if someone wants to come out and run, Who's better than me? I support that candidate. Niall Arena running as an independent candidate for the mayor in this year's election. You, I believe, were inspired by a gentleman named Larry Krasner. Yes, sir. Can you tell me that story? Oh, gosh, it's a great one. And it was one that I was surprised wasn't covered more as sort of the narrative, as I think people were reading and consuming news, whether it was the New York Times or the Washington Post or just their local papers or things like Politico. More, I was surprised it didn't get more traction. It got some, but in 2017, as as everyone's sort of just, you know, kind of ripping their hair out and the, the onslaught of the news from the Trump administration and all the resignations and, and these potentially unconstitutional decrees that are coming out and sort of no one can quite grapple with it. And, and, and the sort of feeling was that the walls are sort of closing in. This, this terrible drift to the far right that some of Europe has seen. And in the midst of all of that, a very interesting thing was happening in Philadelphia where a defense attorney who had no prosecuting experience, Larry Krasner, who had uh, made his career defending low-income, uh, 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 often uh, black or, or brown defendants, was uh, running in the primary to be the Democratic candidate for the district attorney of Philadelphia. He was uh, sort of derided and mocked that, that he would ever have a chance to win. He won the Democratic primary by engaging students and uh, student activists and non-voting but but pretty progressive folks around Philadelphia, registering them to vote and then making sure they vote in the primary. He was then figured, well, we'll never have a Democratic district attorney. He's not going to win. The, the Republican will surely win. He got about 75% of the vote in the general election. So now uh, uh, in 2017, as as all these stories are happening, we're not sure if Democrats will even take back the House, you know, all this this chaos. We have the most progressive district attorney uh, in the nation in Philadelphia. He gave his uh, ADAs, the assistant district attorneys who are coming in, gave them all the new Jim Crow and said, yeah. we're going to be doing things very differently now. The Alexander book. Exactly, exactly. So... I read that and I was very inspired. The other thing that I was so inspired by that sort of kicked this in was David Byrne, the musician and artist and theater director and bicycle enthusiast. Author. Yes, yes. Uh, he um, had a lecture called Reasons to be Cheerful. And I think it was a little nod to the Killing Joke album, but it was also in this time where people are grappling with not just disappointment but despondency and and despair and the sort of inertia that that can breed he had this uh, powerpoint presentation sort of like a ted talk that he took around and i saw they filmed it um and you can find it on youtube talking about uh things that are actually good that are happening and a lot of them are happening elsewhere than the u.s but some are happening in the u.s and they're happening all at the local level and he was saying that you know the best thing you can do if you're not registered to vote register to vote after that vote if you have a little bit more time 
run for an office. And I took that to heart. And I thought, well, you know, I don't have a family. I don't have anyone else to take care of. My, my parents are, are still healthy. I, no one is depending on me besides myself. I, I feel I can do a little more, and, and I ought to. What, what I said to uh, the student who was interviewing me for the Indiana Daily Student, I said that sort of the, the gift of getting a little older was realizing if you love something, it's sort of your job to protect it. And I love Bloomington. I, I wouldn't be running for mayor in a city I didn't like or I thought was bad. You have returned here any number of times as a kid yes. and as an adult. Yes, I, I've bloomeranged many <laughs> a time. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about your history. And by the way, before I even do that, I want to say uh, I characterized you as having no political background. Uh, that, that may be untrue. <laughs> 2017. Oh, yes. July 4th. Yes. Who were the grassroots goofballs? <laughs> so I had uh, been driving back with a friend of mine, uh, Josh Brewer. We had driven up to the Indiana State House for a protest huh. uh, because Todd Young seemed very hard, our, our, our senator, seemed very hard to, to uh, uh, reach. Yeah. Uh, was never in town, wouldn't hold a town hall. And so they had a, a, a town hall with a cardboard cutout of, of Todd <laughs> up there. But um, we were driving back to Bloomington. It was a very cold day in late January or early February. And we were both kind of grappling with how do we make protest or, or, or this sort of dissent, organized dissent even, how do we make that something that isn't just invective? How do we make that something that is maybe to just the maybe apolitical or fairly apolitical person not seem just as scary as the Tea Party or these, you know, very kind of upsetting things we see. Two guys who were at that time just part-time employed, trying to put a couple jobs together and we thought, well, what's really missing to, to me and what I enjoyed so much about studying the 60s and studying counterculture was um, the element of fun and fun. the element of kind of, you know, kookiness with, without being scary. <laughs> 1968 Democratic Convention yes. in Chicago. Yes, sir. The yippies put Pegasus up as yes. their candidate. Yes, exactly. Pegasus was... Uh, a, a pig. <laughs> yes. Abby Hoffman, one of, one of my one of my heroes. So we came up with the grassroots goofballs and we figured out what would it take to uh, enter a float officially into the 4th of July parade. Because my memory here in Bloomington, here in Bloomington Indiana, my memory of the 4th of July parade, and this is a, a sort of pre-September 11th uh, a time, but that it was more like a Mardi Gras or a pride parade, uh -huh. um, that it was just sort of local color, you know, small businesses. And there certainly was, you know, patriotism in the fire department and all that great stuff that is so fun about any, I feel like, uh, a small town in Fourth of July parade, but there was also things like beanpole and these uh -huh. kind of zany floats that were just sort of, you know, there to kind of befuddle, but but to have a fun time. We came up with grassroots goofballs with a push to get out the boat, which we thought was a nice play on get out of the boat. But uh, oh, you know, now time out. Oh, we're sure. on radio. You're saying not get out the vote, V O T E. You're saying get out the B O A T. Yes, as get in out the, the thing boat. that's on the water. Yes, yes, sir. And and this was motivated, I think, just to, to to make it clear that we're having a good time. You don't have to take us too seriously. We we we're nonpartisan. We we just want you to vote. We just want you to engage. And we had a uh, friend of ours. Uh, his uncle had a boat car, which was a a old wooden boat that he'd put on the chassis of a Prius, <laughs> and had ridden in other parades and things like that. And we thought, well, if the weather is permitting, we'll get that. But 
in case it isn't, let's get all of our friends to dress either as pirates or as yeah. sailors or in rain slickers as fishermen. And we'll have a big banner. We'll have a marching band. Uh, we'll, we'll have all these things. And we'll have little pamphlets with facts about how in Monroe County you can sign up uh, to, to vote either online or, or um you know, down at Election Central, what the deadlines are for those. And we handed those out rather than you know, lollipops and things like that to right. everyone. And we won best overall entry, <laughs> which was, uh, uh, I mean, we would have done it even if we had gotten worse, but it was edifying to see that people enjoyed us. Well, as a kid, you lived in both Bloomington and Ohio. Yes, sir. And you, uh, like so many others here, you began your undergraduate work at Indiana University. I did. I did. I was a student of the theater and drama department here, uh, enjoyed my time, found myself uh, kind of longing and in a kind of a great big hurry to be uh, uh, back in Chicago, Illinois, where I'd gone to the early college program at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Uh-huh. I'd spent a summer taking classes at Second City. So I, I transferred and just wrapped up my, my undergrad up there. But uh, At but yeah. Columbia College. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Then moved to Philadelphia, worked in theater, the Arden Theater Company up in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which is in uh, Old City, if there's any <laughs> listeners out there who know Philadelphia. In doing my due diligence work on you, my research, I came upon your name in IMDB, the Internet Movie Database. Oh, yes. And uh, you are listed as having appeared in two movies, both short movies, one dramatic, Boy in the Making, and one comedy, Court Briefs. With the beloved <laughs> Addison Rogers oh, yes. of Busman's Holiday. Yes, yes. <laughs> now, I notice your first job was with the Monroe County Public Library. You were 14 years old. Niall, let me ask you this. <laughs> what about child labor laws? Oh, well, you know, 14, I, I was a high school student. I think I, I could only work a certain amount of hours a week, maybe 15 hours or something like that. But they, they were they were very diligent over there, as I think they still are. And I would say... I couldn't have asked for a better first job. It was just a high school, after school, having a little pocket money, saving up for a car what did job. You do? I shelved the books, shelved the uh, uh, AV materials. The library is amazing. I credit that as much as anything else as my sort of love and appreciation for a very disparate kind of uh, uh, array of, of uh, culture. Um, it was also a great breeding ground because you had college students who had the same job, same wages as the high school students. And you would sort of hear about shows coming up. This is when we still had Rhinos as a youth center. We had a lot more kind of all ages encouragement for music. And uh, I, I made a lot of friends who I still have to this day working there. You must love books because among your job history items, you were the assistant head of circulation at the IUPUI library. That's right. Yeah. Up in Indianapolis. Yep. And you have worked in bookstores in both Brooklyn and Chicago. Yes. I, I, when I was living in Brooklyn, I, I worked in bookstores. They were actually uh, in Manhattan. Not that that matters yeah, a ton. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. We're, yeah. Sold, sold books. Uh, I worked in libraries uh, for, for most of my working life that was not spent in the in the theater. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's just it's it's great. I think a lot of people probably feel the same way, um, which is that you sort of get this secondary education just being, I think, around things that contain so much knowledge, or as William Gass might say, as they contain a consciousness kind of of their own. And uh-huh. so these peripherals, you start to see the, you know, kind of connections and the, these webs and associations, which I, I, I lament so much our drift away from 
physical media because of that. I, I don't think that I would have the sort of appetite for uh, intellectual curiosity that I do had I not been submerged in things and starting to realize like, oh, Basquiat was also in a band and the guy who's uh-huh. in the band with Basquiat made films and the guy who made films with the this fellow was also in a band called the Lounge Lizards and Tom Waits is on one. Who's Tom Waits? And these sort of associative connections. But that's how you build the an key, appreciation. The key to being a good DJ. Yes. Uh, also <laughs> a passion of yours as much as books, films. Oh, yes. Cicada Cinema. Yes. What's yes. that? Well, uh, my reason for bloomeranging the most recent time, which was in the fall of 2016, that happy time, <laughs> I kid, but it was actually a very fruitful time for, for, for me and for my colleagues. We thought that Bloomington, although with some wonderful jewels for seeing film, The Rider, um, the IU Cinema, there was this absence of things, uh, places and, 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 and space for films that we were all dying to see. We thought, here's a real chance to, to do something. So In the Void, which was a DIY music venue uh, that has since been raised um, to, to make way for Switchyard Park, we installed a screen. We bought uh, theater seats from a church that was moving up in Indianapolis, and we started a, uh, a micro pop-up cinema. And we would show films that wouldn't uh, play otherwise or, or films that our, our friends who were, were bringing on tour or, or documentaries that we thought kind of fit uh, uh, the kind of cultural moment or Hollywood classics. We, we showed um, uh, uh, 1984 yeah. as part of a participation with art houses around the country as sort of a uh, not-too-subtle protest of, yeah, of where yeah. we thought things were going. And we've continued since uh, The Void has been uh, demolished as a pop-up. We turn uh, local businesses in town into movie theaters, and, and we have uh, screenings that sort of, uh, again, are things that either are unseen in town or underrepresented. Today, now... Like many of your generation, you've had to cobble together jobs to make a living. You work two jobs right now. One is at IU, and the other is with CATS. Yeah, that's right. Yes, Community Access Television Services. I'm a um, master control operator over there. We cover all city and county governmental meetings. You sort of get an education listening to the elected officials, the appointed officials. Absolutely. The citizens Absolutely. all talking at these meetings. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I think that I wouldn't feel the same confidence to even dip my toe as I am um, into this sort of political arena if I didn't have that exposure and that, what would you want to say, utility of uh, that tool of cats. Um, I, I'm very grateful to to work there and have the exposure, but I'm also grateful that it's in a town Bloomington size to have that attention to city and county meetings that otherwise might be all behind closed doors and be a little ob- obscure to folks until it's in the newspaper and it's already become a law or it's already become a policy. So I'm very grateful for that participation that we can provide folks. What do you do for the university? I am a archives assistant over at the auxiliary library facility, which is sort of where they're building that new hospital site. Ah, yes. Um, yes, I call it the Franz Kafka Memorial Library just because it's <laughs> it's it's not a uh, it, uh, materials go in, but it's it's not a visiting library. Right. Um, but amazing facility. But I work for the Kinsey Institute out there, their library, and looking at their collections um, and and some of the. Uh, Things that have just been gifted, making sure they get accessioned into the collection and indexed properly. La, 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 la. We've run out of time, so join us Monday for Big Talk Extra during the 5 p.m. daily local news for more of this conversation. 
Niall Arena trying to be an independent candidate for mayor. Thanks for being on Big Talk. Thanks so much for having me.